Welcome to the 66 Letters. Notice the title has an emphatic and between grace and truth. Paul tells us to speak the truth in love. John writes about the word, that is Jesus, in John 1, coming with grace and truth. Paul writes in Colossians that our speech ought to be seasoned with grace when answering another person. The writer of Hebrews speaks of stirring up love and good works. God is truth, and yet he is described as gracious. What I think we can learn here is grace and truth are not exclusive from each other, but are rather tied to each other. And anything outside the realms of grace and truth is not grace or is not truth. Let's jump into John 1 at verse 14. Thank you for joining us today on The 66 Letters. Jesus, you alone are perfect. You set out as a perfect example for us to strive for and praise God your sacrifice on the cross and the presence of the Holy Spirit now helps us cover all the gaps in between our moments of not getting it perfect. Let it be noted, though, that in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, we can read these words, Be holy as I am holy. Too often we tend to err on one side of who you are over other aspects, while yet that's not what you asked us to do. Lead our hearts by grace and truth as we talk on this very topic. We love you. Amen. As I've heard many conversations lately about doctrine, grace, walking in truth, and as I've asked more questions than spoken on this, John 1.14 has been a reference that has been pinging around in my head like a pinball machine. So let's take a moment to read this. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus came to dwell with us in grace and truth, grace and truth. He did both. He wasn't more gracious. He wasn't more truthful. He was equally and perfectly grace and truth. If we are to be like Jesus, then we ought to take note of this because if we are not striving to be gracious and truth-telling, then we are not doing it right. You have the example of person A. Person A may say, well, I don't want to be confrontational and who am I to judge? I'm just going to love God's people and hope for the best. Let me say this now. This is not loving, nor is it following the example that was set before us. Now you have person B who's on the other side of things. And maybe person B will say, well, truth is truth, just like facts are facts. I know I'm rough around the edges, but what do you expect? If someone doesn't speak it to them right to their face, then, then who will ever know what to do? This too, let me say this, this too isn't loving, nor is it following the example set before us. Paul writes in Ephesians that we are to speak the truth in love. It does not say speak truth. Oh, and if you happen to think about it, be sure to do it in love. He says it all as one phrase, speak truth in love. The thing is that God is love and God is truth and God is grace. And Jesus, again, Jesus showed us 
what that perfectly looks like. We cannot err on the side of caution and lean in one direction or the other, then justify it with, well, that's just my personality. Our personalities are a part of who we are, for sure. I have, I'm not negating that. They were uniquely designed and developed within us by God. I get this. However, if we are submissive to the Holy Spirit, then our personality too ought to be influenced by the Holy Spirit. Now, you may say, oh, well, my kind of personality, I'm not a talker. Well, neither was Moses. Yet he was the leader and the spokesperson between God and the Israelites. You might say, I'm a little rough around the edges. You know, everybody knows that. Well, Peter was rough around the edges. And yet he, he came to be known for loving the people around. He, he ended up writing books that speak of grace. You might say, oh, I'm a fighter. I'll get rough with anyone if I have to. I just got to tell them the truth. Well, you know, uh, the, the author of, the, of John, the Gospel of John, he and his brother were called the sons of thunder because of how boisterous and brash they were. Yet John came to be known as John the Beloved. He was known as Pastor John. He was, he was known as being a fatherly figure to the church. Or maybe you'll say, I'm not a big personality. I can get intimidated really easily. Well, so was Gideon. Gideon was the least of the least of the least of the smallest of the tribes. And yet, because he was submissive to what God was telling him, he went on to lead a great battle. All four of these examples show that they had a uniqueness to their personalities. Yet, we see that each of them grew and learned what it was like to have the Spirit take the lead of their personalities. I often say, and I say this to myself also, that it is never a matter of your personality being congruent with the Holy Spirit. It is that your heart of pride is rebellious to submission to the Holy Spirit. I'll let you sit on that for a moment. When our personality or who we are is incongruent with what the Spirit is leading us to do, it's not a personality issue. It's a heart issue. So let's say at this point in the conversation that you are being submissive to the Holy Spirit and willing to grow, but you're still struggling to figure out how to be gracious and truthful at the same time in the circumstances you sometimes find yourself in. Let me start this part of the conversation off with, you are not alone. Nope. <laughs> not one bit. In fact, I myself struggle in this department and I will, of course, be sharing of times when I got it right and the times when I didn't get it right. I would also like to state that everything I am saying here is out of love and for your benefit. I always hope to push anyone and everyone closer to Christ. I know that can't be accomplished if I'm being hateful or mean. So as you maybe feel that your toes are being stepped on, know that I do it while I hug you. So... You're wanting to submit, but you don't really know how to. You're not sure where to go. I think the first thing that we have to address is we got to change how we think. I mentioned earlier that we can often think that grace and truth are mutually, exclu excuse me, mutually exclusive. 
as if you could be either gracious or you can be truthful. I think in the errancy of our human thinking, we create one of these to be more virtuous than the other. And in doing so, we began a fragmentation process that leads to more chaos than good. Jesus came as grace and truth. 100% grace, 100% truth. Just in the, and, and I get it, like <laughs> 100% plus 100% doesn't add up correctly, right? Like you can only have 100%. And I think that this is one of those God moments, just as Jesus was 100% man and 100% God. So, given that Jesus came to think with both, speak with both, and behave with both, we too need to see these two bound as one. The example that came to mind of this was conjoined twins. While they have their their own operating systems, their own personalities, their own health issues, or good health, there is still a part of them that keeps them as one unit. In the same way, grace has its own definition, and truth has its own definition. And while they operate differently by nature of their definitions, they are a unified organism, living and breathing, striving towards the same purpose, God's glory. We tend to acknowledge that we are to love people around us, which it's kind of hard to refute, right? Jesus summed it up in Matthew when he said, the greatest commandment is this, love God, love others. The point of conflict among people, though, it seems, this is my opinion, is how this love is to be expressed. So going back to the example of person A who leans more towards grace over truth with the end goal of not being confrontational. Let me say this first. I appreciate you. If you are person A, I appreciate you. And I appreciate that you're not looking for ways to always rock the boat. Too often, we can have people that look for confrontation. So let me say, I appreciate you. Jesus even said in the Beatitudes that blessed are the peacemakers. And I, I, I'm, hear me in this. I'm not going to try to persuade you to abandon trying to keep the peace. I, that's not the goal here. However, to not speak up on matters of truth because you're not one to like confrontation of any kind is actually more selfish than it is loving. You are more concerned with self-preservation and not being unliked that you aren't willing to go, uh, you're not willing to step into discomfort. But we have to step into discomfort if we're to speak the truth to someone. And to speak the truth to someone is still loving. To allow someone to continue on a trajectory that will hurt them because they might get upset with you, that, in fact, is not loving. The loving thing would be to approach whomever it is that you need to speak with, with a peacekeeping demeanor, and speak the truth into the situation. What I would encourage you to realize is that, is that if they get upset over the truth spoken, that it has nothing to do with you. It has to do with the fact that truth was spoken and they are rejecting the truth. The truth spoken is the words of Jesus himself. In fact, Jesus said he is the truth 
And he said, if they reject you, they are actually rejecting me. Now, I'm paraphrasing what you can go read for yourself in Matthew 10. But you get the gist of what I'm saying. Have a peacekeeping demeanor. Be gracious. And, and speak the truth. Now, for person B. Let's talk about you insensitive truth tellers. And, let me say... I, myself, I tend to lean towards spitting the truth above all else. And while telling the truth is a good policy to have, how we present this truth makes all the difference. When Jesus was dealing with the broken and the lost, his truth-telling did not piss people off. It did not drive them to tears of pain, or it didn't cause them to go AWOL in their faith or their emotions. When Jesus spoke truth, People were drawn to him. He was also gracious in his truth. He didn't single out people who were wrong and living in sin to then proceed to berate them and make them feel small. He encouraged others in truth to, I quote, go and sin no more. They knew what the truth was by the end of the conversation, but they also knew that he loved them. When we scream the truth over all else, Love is not sensed, love is not expressed, and love is not given. The start of 1 Corinthians speaks of anything done without love is dead and is just the noise of a gong. Now, I would imagine, like me, you don't want to sound like a gong to people, do you? I mean, I know I don't, and I certainly hope the same could be said for you. We also don't want to wield the sword of truth chopping off heads of those around us. The only time that we've ever been told to use the sword is in Ephesians 6 concerning the armor of God, and that is towards the enemy. The enemy is unseen and is waging war spiritually. Humans are not the enemy. We want to be mouthpieces for the Lord, but we don't do that by leaving bloody bodies strewn all over the floor from telling the truth. I'll say that again. The enemy wages war spiritually and is unseen. Humans are not the enemy. We don't want to leave bloody bodies strewn all over the floor. When we do this, we in fact are spewing out words of self-righteousness and indignation. Okay, And I'm guilty of this. I've done this so many times, way more times than I care to admit. But hear me, your passion for truth-telling is needed. So, just like with person A, how I would never ask them to abandon having a peacekeeping demeanor, I'm not asking you to abandon telling the truth. What I am saying is we've got to figure out how to do it with grace. Now, we certainly live in a society where truth has now become relative. Morals are based off of, well, how I feel in the moment. And society is decaying from all of this. If we are only concerned with laying down the law of right and wrong, then we aren't operating like Jesus. Jesus said he is the truth. If we are going to be like Jesus and we're going to be vigilant for the truth, 
then our presentation of truth ought to be like Jesus. And it ought to bring glory to God. So, speak the truth and be gracious. To cap all of this off, I'd like to share a success story of when I got this right. And I'll also share of how I operated out of too much grace that then led to too much truth. And the results were not pretty. So, I had two friends. And uh, we're just going to say person A and person B. Person B is the success story, and we're still, in fact, friends today. Person A was where I did things wrong, and to this day, he won't talk to me, even four years after the fact. So person B, again, the success story first. Person B, person A, and me, we used to hang out on a regular basis. In fact, we would meet every Tuesday at 6 o'clock, sometimes 6.30, Um, on Tuesday nights every week, and we would get together to grow together as brothers in Christ, as husbands, as dads. Um, It was really, it was a really sweet and intimate uh, triangle that we had going on. Uh, Our wives got along, our wives would get together, um, and every now and then all six of us with children would get together. Um, there came a point with, with person B though, that, that he, he was just continuing to live in sin. Like he, he would talk to us about, Hey, I did this. Hey, I messed up. Like he was good with confession, but the whole, the whole repentance part was the struggle. And, and so there eventually just after, after about six months, maybe closer to eight months, um, of trying to walk with him in all of this. Uh, we finally, uh, person A and, and me, uh, we, we confronted person B and we just said, Hey man, like what you're doing is wrong. Now, let me see, let me say this person B did get defensive. Um, and person B said some things that really, um, were very offensive. They, they really hurt both my feelings and person A's feelings. Um, however, person A uh, quite literally got up from his seat and leaned across the table and was getting in person B's face. Um, all the while I'm like slapping his thigh, trying to get him to calm down. Um, and I, and I was able to stay calm in this situation. I was able to just sit there. And when things finally kind of started selling, I was like, yo, person B, like, bro, do you, do you even understand what you're saying to us right now? Like, do you hear your words and and do you hear how apathetic you are? Are you not concerned with how things are going and how things are going to end up if you continue down this road? And so uh, so it took probably, I would say, about a month before uh, he made contact with person A and me individually. And uh, when, he came, when he and I met up, uh, person B just said, one of the things he said was, man, thank you so much for how you handled that. I needed the kick in the butt, but I appreciate that you didn't get ugly with me. And, uh, and I was like, man, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Like I certainly had my concerns of whether I'd done it right. And, um, he's like, no, you totally did, man. And, and I appreciate you for, for doing that. And, uh, like I said, we're still friends today. Um, we, in fact, we don't even, he, he moved back to where he's from, which is in Arizona. 
Um, but he and I are still in touch and, uh, we're, we're still, still, uh, really good friends. So fast forward, um, well, fast forward about a year later. Wow. Kind of weird to think about that. So fast forward a year later, now we're in a position where person B and me, um, are needing to talk with person A. Person A is in just, he's in a weird spot with a bad attitude, um, and just not handling things very well in his marriage. And uh, I won't go into all the specifics of it, but you know, there comes this point where person A, you know, he's complaining about things that are going on, which, you know, we always wanted to be a, an open an open space for being able to vent frustrations. Um, but there just came a point that it seemed like that's all he ever were, really wanted to do and wasn't ever really looking for a solution. But uh, in trying to keep the peace, um, I gave way too much grace. And I spent, I, I, truly, I spent about six months giving grace when I should have been speaking up at some point. And so what ended up happening is uh, I gave too much grace and he ended up too far down the rabbit hole. And then I got frustrated. And in my frustration, I then laid down the truth. And in doing so, um, he ended up saying some really hurtful things that I then chose to respond to or react to, is rather the better word. Um, I chose to react to the hurtful things that he said, and I, and I, uh, I basically tried to, to alienate him um, in, in, in spite of him. And, and it didn't, you know, it, it just didn't end well. Um, so I went from one end, an extreme of grace, grace, grace. You know, I got to wait. Maybe there's that opportunity. Oh, I don't feel like right now is the time to speak truth to, all right, man, I'm going to lay down the truth and here's here's what it is. And uh, and so, man, like, you know, like like I mentioned earlier, we, you know, we're not friends anymore. Um, we had a falling out and we never recovered. Um, we had one... Uh, we, we met up one time about a year and a half after the fact, uh, no, about half a year after the fact, no, it was a year and a half, excuse me, a year and a half after the fact. And, um, yeah, it just, I knew the conversation wasn't going to go anywhere. And sure enough, as, as we went, just, you could tell that hurt things were said, hurt things were done and we weren't going anywhere with it. And so, uh. So there's an example for you of what happens, <laughs> interestingly enough, all in one situation, what happens when you're too gracious and then when you're too truthful. Um, and so uh, that, that basically just wraps up this, this topic for today of speaking with grace and truth. We can't have one or the other. Um, I'm sure you can think in your own life of times where you... You did speak it uh, as they were one unit and how it went well. Um, and then times where it didn't go well because maybe you leaned one way or the other. And uh, I think the the best way that we can do this is that we are continuously petitioning the Holy Spirit to speak through us. When we think that we have it figured out is when things go wrong. Uh, when we are petitioning the Holy Spirit and, and, and truly in our hearts saying, Lord, 
help me to speak this today to this person. Lord, may you speak through me. When we're really truly in that place where we just want to be the mouthpiece, we're not trying to be the problem solver. The Holy Spirit does speak. And when the Holy Spirit speaks, the Holy Spirit speaks in grace and truth perfectly. So there we have it. Hope that you have a great day and I will catch you guys next time. Thank you for joining us on The 66 Letters. I hope that today's episode has encouraged you and maybe opened your eyes to a different perspective of the way we ought to strive to be like Christ. I know it's hard with our weak minds, our corrupt flesh, and the influence that comes along with the enemy. However, let us strive to be gracious and truthful. Let us strive for perfection all the days of our lives. Let us continue to run this race and not grow weary in doing good. Let us make God famous at all times. I'll catch you next time on The 66 Letters.